0: Welcome to the How-To Business Show. Today's guest is Paul Barron. Paul is the founder and chief executive officer of the Wall Printer USA, focused on ensuring the growth of his corporation and the businesses that purchase his product. His background includes decades of business experience spanning B2B, B2C, retail, manufacturing, distribution, international business, and franchising. Paul thrives in rapid growth, high energy environments, and values a diverse culture with good people who like to dream big, work hard, and have fun. He leads with a positive attitude, humor, and humility. In our conversation, we discuss Paul's evolution as a serial entrepreneur and the importance of continuous learning and networking and business. Without further ado, let's hop into the episode. Awesome. Thank you, Paul, for coming on the How To Business Show. We really appreciate your time You're a busy man and you got a lot going on with the wall printer and a bunch of other different things. It looks like you're on the board of advisor for quite a few different organizations and um, you're obviously a busy man, but we want to start the show off before you got to where you are. Let's think back to Paul Barron in his, in his twenties. What were you doing?
1: Yeah, Paul Barron was born at a very young age and we don't have to go back that far. Um, but Cal, Dylan, again, I appreciate the opportunity to get to know you guys and to your audience and, and to talk with you. Um, yeah, the 20s, of course, was my college years um, and, and post-college years. Um, I always thought growing up in, from an educational perspective, I really enjoyed mathematics, and I always thought I wanted to be a mathematics teacher. Um, and that's what I got a degree in, mathematics and a, a master's education as well, and went on to teach high school mathematics. first three years in the workforce out of college. Um, But at the same time, um, during college, I actually earned my uh, play money, if you will, Uh, gas money for the car, beer money for the time that I was allowed to do that, Um, uh, through stringing tennis rackets for the athletic department. I was on the uh, tennis team, captain of my tennis team during college, and uh, I earned some money doing that for the athletic department and enjoyed it. The task as well as the results were enjoyed by people whose tennis rackets I strung for them. I seemed to do a good job, and so a friend of mine um, and myself, we opened up a little sporting goods store after I graduated college as well in the college town, and uh, we grew that to uh, equipment and services and Clothing for the dance and the arts was very big in the college where I went to and we got involved in sneakers and footwear and clothing and other things. And, and so during that process, I really got into the whole world of business and vendor relationships and customers um, and the other interactions that come through retail and uh, purchasing and supply chain and all these things I knew nothing about prior to the venture, uh, which was just an extension of my passion for tennis. And, uh, and as a result of that, um, the, the store became successful. I actually had three stores going. Uh, by the time my third year of teaching was, and I was devoting so much time to my tennis shops that that was being recognized, not in a good way, by the school system for which I worked. And they gave me an ultimatum. They said, Paul, you're a great teacher. Um, and uh, and I'm assuming that was the case, uh, although I, I didn't, didn't really flatter myself in that way. I did enjoy teaching. I did not enlighten and, and this may speak to whatever has happened after my 20s and the rest of my journey through today is I didn't like the control and the administrative tasks and a lot of the other things involved in the teaching. I loved the students. I love the process of teaching and, and uh, talking about things I knew about and learning about the things I didn't know about and sharing that with others. And so I might be teaching to this day if it wasn't for parents and school administration and other things that got in the way of that process. Um, And so uh, they gave me an ultimatum. They said either give up your outside business interests and we'll give you tenure um, in your teaching position, or you may need to consider another path. Um, So as Yogi Berra once said, when you get to a fork in the road, take it. um, I decided to go the path of business and I gave up my teaching career um, after three years. Um, I've never looked back. I did develop relationships, which really was at the heart of everything I've ever done. And what I recommend to anybody who's willing to spend or waste their time listening to anything I have to say from my 50 years of experience that followed that. Um, I'm 71 years old now. Uh, I've had over a dozen different businesses. Um, I've always gone through what was passionate uh, to me and what could benefit me as well as my customers, stakeholders, meaning partners, employees, my family. Um, and, uh, And that's what's driven me since then. I've gone through a lot of iterations working for companies to learn about the things I didn't know much about uh, and then taking that learning to incorporating it into something that I wanted to do with more control again um, and not have a lot of the extraneous um, influences around that would uh, keep me from doing a particular set goal, marketing or selling a product um, or introducing something, developing something. I've done everything from consumer packaged good products like marketing a Chinese headband headphone um, and licensing it through the likes of Disney and Nickelodeon and other things, participating in that. A, an innovative baby bottle that was manufactured in Austria, bringing that to the United States. An innovative self-service dog wash system from Australia. Um, and software and audio video technology, uh, such as you're, we're experiencing here with Zoom. Um, Microsoft was one of my customers. I licensed um, the first uh, video technology, um, h 3 3.2.3, 3. I will forget it, it's been so long ago what the technical name is, but um, it's what is the basis for video calls like this in um, GPS and navigation systems. And when they track you down in those CSI shows on your phone because the GPS strip in your phone can t- locate you. That's technology I licensed to Samsung um, through the Russian company that developed this, uh, this technology. And uh, with all that said, um, I developed over a period of about four decades uh, the ability to identify high-value customers and targets for foreign companies and helping them communicate the value of their products in the United States. That carried me through um, really good um, experiences, both financially, culturally, um, and, and just getting to know um, what drives people's interests in their purchasing decisions. Um, and, and also becoming a trusted resource to people which is important. I've probably referred more business to other people than I've ever gotten to myself over the years uh, because you find out, you listen to people, you find out what their needs are. If those needs align with what you happen to be doing business-wise, great. If it's not in your sweet spot, but maybe you've learned over the years what through your business connections or travels or personal connections, whether it be legal, financial, you know, development, whatever, um, you introduce people to other people and you, you extend your network constantly. And that's what I've had the good fortune of being able to do over the years, which I believe has helped me. I've retired several times. Um, four years ago, I was sitting in my home office where I am right now. And I yelled to another room to my wife and I say, Maureen, come take a look at this because I'm surfing the net like many people do. And, uh, and I saw this vertical printing machine. And invariably when I say to my wife, Hey, honey, come take a look at this. Uh, Invariably, when I say, hey, honey, come take a look at this, um, rather than come take a look at this, what she does is she cuts up my credit cards and hides the bank account because she thinks, oh, here we go. Paul's going to invest in something nuts. And uh, this time she was kind of all in with me on this vertical printing machine that four years ago I had never seen or heard about before. Um, I'm willing to take a risk on something, once again, that I see value in, that I see it has value for other people. So I really dug this machine. Um, I was actually approached initially by one of my competitors today who wanted me once again to be a commissioned salesperson, like a lot of those other gigs I just quickly described to you and these Mm -hmm. other products. Um, And I don't do that anymore. Um, I don't do anything unless I have equity in it, unless I can buy it and own the product or the machine. So uh, that's what I did. I developed a relationship with the originator of this, which was a Chinese company. We developed over a year of courtship, a very good relationship. I invested heavily and became the owner of the rights to this machine and helped in the development of it um, to the point that I now own all rights to the Western Hemisphere for these vertical printing machines, which I've trademarked as the wall printer. And we've also developed, since I've joined them, a floor printer too, where basically in a nutshell, we deliver high quality, near photo quality artwork onto any wall, any material, indoors, outdoors, any surface at all. Um, any mural of any size, um, our printers can print. And uh, it's a, it's just a cool product. In the past three years, we've put 115 new businesses in action with people. I'm very proud of the team that I've built um, in the past two and a half, three years um, to be able to accomplish that. And that's basically my goal, is to create the hopes and dreams of other people, which not only, you know, they say, doing good, you know, makes good. Um, and And I believe that if you if you do something that other people can respond to and get benefits from, it'll come back to you as well, and that's what's happening with this company, as it has with other gigs I've done in the past. So, anyway, uh, I'll shut up and let you ask uh, me some questions.
0: Yeah, that that's amazing, Paul. That's a, so many great insights are just thrown out there, listeners. Please take note that great stuff. And I, I kind of want to go back to when you were talking about education. You're obviously you have a very high business acumen. And um, I find it interesting that you were a mathematics uh, major, and then you moved into teaching math. And I think for a, we have a fairly diverse background of listeners, but in terms of age, there are a lot of younger listeners listening to this, and they may be debating the idea of getting an MBA, or you know, they they already have their college degree, but they're thinking about graduate school or just jumping into the world. And from your perspective, as someone who I'm not sure if you have an MBA, I don't think you do, but. And how were you able to learn all of those amazing business things you mentioned without an MBA? And do you think an MBA is necessary in today's world?
1: Well, there's a fine line between necessary um, and beneficial. Yes. Um, and I, and I separate those two by saying that, you know, when you go to a a well-recognized school, whether it be a Harvard, a Yale, a Dartmouth, a, you know, Princeton, um, MIT and technology, Stanford, Stanford um, you know Cornell. When you go to schools like that, that opens up eyes and it opens up doors for you, no question about it. Just like prep school, there are plenty of private schools that you can go to. Um, I don't know if my video is a little glitchy here or not. If it's me or no, what? No worries. But um, uh, you know, there's a lot of credibility that gets associated with credentials, and whether those credentials come from the school you go to. Um, the place you grew up, the, the city, the state, or the degrees that you have and the education that you have. Um, and then of course the other side of this coin, um, even though I painted a broad picture of, of elements of that one side, then there's the experience you have. And so so where one starts and the other ends, and are they mutually exclusive? I don't believe so. I do not have an MBA. I don't have a master's. I, I went for a master's education um, and I took all of my credits for it, but I never took the exam after two years of of going for my master's of mathematics at the University of New Hampshire. Um, Wonderful school, but it was during that time that I gravitated more towards the business world and I just never took the comps. And so I I don't have a degree. Um, And uh, even though I have the education that went into getting the degree, I I didn't take the exam. Um, And so with that said, I never felt that it was beneficial to me at that point to actually say I had a master's of math. Extend that to your question about an MBA. There's a lot you learn in school. There's a lot in the internships that they provide, and the opportunities that you, as somebody going into the workforce, may never have the experience. So schools and those credentials, those those schools that are recognized as pro- providing a great education in those areas, do provide a lot of benefits. Um, they, you know, my my nephew who went to Cornell and was in the um, uh, in the computer science department. Um, and specialized in robotics with one of his professors. Um, because of that relationship, um, e- even though he did go and get a master's afterwards, but because the relationships of going to school and being in that position was able to be one of the first hires of a company that was formed in that discipline um, after graduation, a company that was subsequently, a few years later, sold to Amazon for $775 million. You know, So would he have been in that position if he didn't go to Cornell, if he didn't take that coursework? Absolutely not. Um, could he have done that on his own by by sitting in his room and I've got another nephew, uh, which I'm battling with right now who's brilliant um, went to NC State for a couple of years then then got so uh, so personally directed towards developing some types of technical projects and and products um, that he decided to go out on his own and try to do some things and not in terms of revenue generating commercial applications, but just to learn. And and he preferred, rather than the school environment at NC State, he preferred to do online learning and do some coursework and get the credentials necessary in the programming skills he thought would be beneficial to him. Um, Did he succeed? It's still a work in progress. Um, He's young. He's in his 20s. um, And I wish him all the best in the world. And he gets whatever support, emotional or otherwise, from me and my wife. But at the same time, um, he decided to go the the route of experience and doing things on his own. Who will eventually succeed then you have to measure success is success financial is success uh, because of um your desire to to learn and innovate and uh, create um th- these are all you know metrics that you have to decide what's right for you um uh, apologies my long-winded typical way of answering or trying to answer your question about the value of an mba Um, I see value in it because of where it can take you uh, through the relationships that can only be um, identified and brought to you from those environments that have a regard for that. Will you be a better person if you don't get an MBA? Will you be a more successful person if you don't? The jury's out on that. That then becomes a little bit more on you than it does on the environment that you find yourself um, a part of when you go through that process. I personally think education um, is very important, Um, more so uh, for kind of what I've talked about, the relationships you develop, the cultural, social aspects you get. Um, That nephew I talked about that's still trying to find himself, very socially unaware. Um, I'm not talking out of school, I hope he's listening to this um, at some point, Um, but, but he'll be the first to say that he's uncomfortable in some social situations. Would another couple of years in college have improved that? I don't think it could have made it any worse. That's for sure. Um, whether it improves it or not is really at some point up to you and up to him. Um, but but being exposed to that, it's the same thing as the year we just got past with COVID. You know, it was great for my business because here I was first thinking I wasn't the sharpest tack in the pack by buying a product and investing very heavily in a, in an industry and a solution that nobody's ever seen or heard about before, vertical printing machines. Nobody knew what they were. It was isolated to Southeast Asia, a little bit in Europe, in the Middle East. But for the most part, nobody in the Western Hemisphere, Canada, the United States, South America, all the markets I own, nobody knew what it was. And then, and I got my first shipment of machines in December of 2019. And in January of 2020, the world stopped. Well, here was an opportunity where people now were being laid off all over the place. And they were working virtually. And so for 10 months, we didn't sell anything. And actually, I accepted the fact that I wasn't going to sell anything because nobody knew what this was. But wherever people were laying everybody off, I was heavily invested and I built a team to find out who wants this, who will make money doing this, who's the right audience. Um, I had to convert everything from Chinese to English, Spanish, French, Canadian, Portuguese, all the markets I was serving. It gave me the time to do that and to add headcount and build people in the technical, social media, marketing, and sales staff, and uh, and learn who our customers should or might be, um, and then begin to introduce this through social media is what we used um, to let people know what vertical printing was and what the what benefits there were to that as a business opportunity for people. Uh, but but again, it, it people were were figuring out their lives. They were figuring out you know. Do I, I was just laid off or I was just put in a situation where I'm working remotely. Is this what I want to do with my life? Um, and it gave them pause to to figure out, you know, did my MBA or my uh, degree or my work experience um, or what I thought I wanted to do with my life? Is that really the track that I want to be on? It gave them time to think about that and uh, and, and to explore new opportunities out there because they were doing like what I did when I first found this, surfing the net, trying to see what's interesting. And so, uh, you know, I'll kind of take a pause there and, and hope that I answered your question. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think I definitively did, but it, it's, it's a yes or no. There are values to that whole social environment of being in school and of taking um, taking instruction from others who have some level of experience. I do not believe, I'll tell you right off the bat, I don't believe, and this isn't only because I decided to be a teacher early on and then stop but I don't believe the old saying that those who can do, those who don't teach. Um, I don't believe that for a minute. Um, I believe that, that people um, who have experience, um, who are of the mindset of sharing that experience um, are excellent teachers because of what they are able to do, not because they can't do something. Uh, so there's a definite value to going and getting those degrees and being in the environment that produces um, everything you need to know to get that degree. And if along the way you find out it's not for you, take that fork in the road.
0: Yes. And I I really like that you touched on, you know, networking and relationship building during your educational years. Uh, That's actually how Cal and I met was uh, fraternity brothers in college. and, And from there, we were able to you know, build a business partnership and, and figure things out. And for me, looking back on college, that's definitely the most valuable part is those relationships and, and networking that that can be done, even if you're not concerned about the education. Um, but obviously, you're a great networker and a great communicator. How how is that? How, how important is that in your business um, pursuits? Is it is it always started with a relationship? Or is it started with an idea?
1: Easy to answer uh, without hesitation, the relationships. Um, the relationships to me, um, in life and in business, um, and I, I I consider those two elements synonymous with one, one another when it comes to relationships. Um, again, I, I kind of like using trite old sayings because maybe I'm not creative enough to come up with new ones on my own. Um, but you know, they say, you know, pay attention to the people you see on the way up because they're the same ones you're going to see on the way down. Um, there's, you know, I've had my ups and downs, you know, I appreciate, you know, you saying I'm a good communicator and my business, you know, background and, and the level of success I have now, um, again, however, you might measure that, you know, might put me in one bucket, but trust me to your audience and to yourselves along the way, there were times that I was putting together pennies, you know, from around the house and inside the couch cushions to try to get gas in my car, to get to the next place, um, to do something. Um, there are ups and downs along the way. Um, and again, tried expressions, not how many times you fall down, but how many you get up, um, can't be further from the truth. But there are gonna be people along the way that are gonna to try to keep you down. There are gonna be people that will help you get up. And you know, recognizing that and developing the relationships, being out there, um, I, there's nothing more important. Um, during a lot of the downtimes, I was able to rely on people. Some of those people shared success with me in business. Some were just personal relationships. Some were people that shared pers- business failure with me, that invested in something that I that I did um, and, and lost. Um, but because of the relationship and because of the fact that I sleep very well at night because no ill will and nothing dishonest was ever done in my path, some things just don't work out. And that's okay. You know that, That's really okay. Um, if, if I don't like to say if you fail, because to me, it's not a failure. Um, it's just a learning experience. I was 12 years in the restaurant business in New York, um, very successful restaurant, built from scratch. One of the things I'm proudest of today, and I don't own this anymore, after I founded it in 1979. Um, my and my partner sold out in 1991. Um, that restaurant though is still open today, 2023. So if my um, lengthy gap with math is correct, that's, that's a 44 uh, year stint that this restaurant is still open today, very unusual for any restaurant, um, and uh, but it's still going with basically the same menu recreated 44 years ago. And uh, so I'm really proud of that. But I'm also proud of the fact that I learned the things I like to do and the things I, I didn't like to do. I thought when I sold that restaurant and moved to Florida, because all I wanted to do was play tennis, and I was in a financial position to be able to do that, and my parents moved to Florida when they retired, and so I followed them down there. Um, and then I decided though one day I woke up and said, you know, I'm really bored, what am I going to do? Um, And so I decided to open up another restaurant that was exactly like my one in New York. No market research, no anything. I just, and some people backed me in that uh, because they knew of my reputation and the success of my New York restaurant. Well, to make a long sorted story short, um, in one year in Florida, I lost what I made in 12 years in New York. Um, It's what I call a learning experience. Wrong partnerships, wrong market, wrong marketing. Um, for what, what was successful in New York didn't play well where I was in Florida. Um, and and I, I put it all on myself. Um, but at the same time, the people that I was were involved with that helped me a little bit along the way, people that I'm still involved with today, except for one, um, with, which again, sadly, because the, you know sometimes you don't have the same objectives with people, which is another thing that is important in developing relationships is make sure your goals are the same. If that goal is just to go out to dinner with somebody, or to party with somebody, or to, um, or to, to uh, babysit their kids, or whatever you want to do. Um, that's one thing. If, if you're getting into business with somebody, you know you want to make sure that your your goals are aligned with one another, um, and your expectations, whether it be from investment perspective, skills that you bring to the table, responsibilities, you know things are, are really important to just get out there, and that's no different than any of your social relationships. If, you, if you're not honest with one another and your expectations aren't aligned, well, great. You've learned something about one another. Put that away in the bank, so to speak, because one day down the road, you may find that whatever was lacking that led you not to go in the direction of a, um, a partnership, if you will, um, might in fact benefit yourself or that other person down the road in some other situation. So relationships are at the core of everything. I've had people help me along the way, again, just financially. I've had people help me emotionally. Um, I've had people help me because of their experience and the skills they bring to the table. Uh, People that have worked for me, I've worked for them in the past and vice versa. Um, One of my best friends, 71 years, the person who actually created this podcast, um, relationship between um, Dylan, Cal, and me um, in this, um, he's somebody that I speak to every day and have for 70 years. Uh, we were born in the same town, grew up together. Um, he's worked for me. He's working for me today, um, and uh, he's invested in some of my prior businesses. Um, and it's a personal relationship that's also worked well in our business relationship. But sometimes it didn't align, and we went our separate ways. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for for everything when you live 70 years. Uh, but uh, it, but in any case, I can't I can't say enough about relationships being the most important thing. Um, You have to really define them. Uh, Should you have friends as partners? Jury's out on that. I personally have enjoyed having a friendship with somebody first and and seeing if that then could move into a business relationship. um, And it's worked well for me repeatedly. Uh, There are some people who can't mix the two. um, And it destroys one or the other. Um, People who can do very well in business together can't be socially um, in each other's orbit. And then it goes the other way around. Um, again, that's something that requires a lot of introspection and a lot of honesty. Um, but I am personally in favor of developing the relationship first and then seeing if there's an alignment with business goals when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great insight. Um I wanna jump back and 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 think about or talk about um how how'd you discover the wall printer? You you mentioned it it came from Asia. So so what's that story of how how'd you discover that?
1: Okay, so I think I mentioned very briefly um, all the things that I did in representing foreign companies' products. It started a long time ago when I developed a little software product that was a, a successful product, um, something that didn't screen pop on telephones uh, when caller ID first became a technology. I'm really dating myself now, but um, you know, now when you call up Domino's Pizza and they know where you live. They know what credit card you used in the past. They know that you ordered a half pepperoni, half mushroom pizza, um, and they uh, and it generates a map for the driver to get to your house and it collects your money and all that kind of stuff. All of that started with a phone call. Now, of course, there's online and internet phone calls or, or voice over IP and all these technologies that have developed over the year when you do your online ordering for, for a restaurant today. Um, but at one time, it was a phone call. If you didn't actually physically walk into a place, and caller ID triggered that relationship and that tracking of of, of you in a CRM customer relationship management application um, for the business. And so I was the I developed actually the first application that did screen pop of a database record triggered by a phone call, um, and it was picked up by AT and T at the time, which was one of the big phone vendors. Still is now they're into software, not into an internet access and television. They're not really into Hardware and phones anymore. They sold that off, um, but at the time they were the they were the big dogs in terms of telephone equipment. And they saw my product and the application and kind of took me under their wing with that because they thought that it, like a tail waving the dog, um, it would be it would be a, a very simple solution to drive telephone sales for them, equipment sales. And sure enough, that was a very very good success for me uh, back in 19 um, through 1990 thereabouts. And uh, so 33 years ago. And so uh, as a result of that, though, I I became somewhat of a communications consultant um, in the the industry. And a a company in Atlanta hired me because they they had just developed a communications hardware product, and they were coming out of the R&D phase into the sales phase. And they wanted somebody who could communicate what the value of their product was to an audience that would purchase it. And uh, so they hired me, and uh, I moved to Atlanta from Florida. Um, no disrespect to the Georgians in our crowd here. Um, I liked living there, um, but I was—I've always grown up near the water, and I missed the—I missed the ocean. And I was in Atlanta for 10 years, and I—I I felt like I was a fish out of water at the time. Um, and so, uh, so that that lasted about 10 years. But the reason it lasted 10 years, my stint with the company that relocated me and hired me to bring their product to market was in direct competition with a Russian company. And so we went to trade shows, which was the big way to communicate value of these types of products at the time. And invariably we went to a trade show and I was at one booth and the Russian company was at the booth next to me or across the aisle from me. And we had the same products. Um, in fact, they had a much deeper um, portfolio of communications, audio, video, GPS, all kinds of stuff, technology. My company in Georgia that I represented had one piece of that puzzle of communication solutions. Um, But invariably, when we came across a customer and a business opportunity, I won the deal when the product that I had aligned with the product they had. And then I guess the expression is frenemies. After the end of the show, we'd always go out for drinks together. And boy, could those boys drink vodka! Um, but we would go out for drinks together, and uh, and we became friends on this trade show circuit. And uh, and invariably, they would reach across the table, and they go, you know, Paul, we can't understand it. You know, and I know our solution is so much better. Yet you landed that account with Motorola, or you landed that account with XYZ. And uh, you know why was that? And again, this is not a. This is this is not a. a um, this does not show disrespect um, that that Russia may or may not deserve today. I won't get into politics in this conversation, um, but this was a different time. And these wonderful people, as the Russian people are today, the people are wonderful. And, uh, and I would invariably say to them, well, the difference is you're Russian and I'm not. And what I meant by that was very simply, there is cultural differences, whether it's Russia, Chinese, French, Spanish, I don't care, you know, Lithuanian, uh, Moroccan, I don't care what it is, okay? There are cultural differences that play to people of that culture. And there are cultural differences that prevent smooth communication. And the way that Russians are taught English, um, it, it isn't very smooth. It's not, it's not, it, it, it comes off a little bit different. I'll just say that I don't think without getting into uh, I'm not a linguist, uh, I'm not a speech pathologist, so I don't know the the, 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 the technology or, or the science behind it. But, you know, when you're talking to somebody who speaks one language and somebody who speaks another, whether by accent or by intent or whatever, um, the meaning sometimes gets lost. And so that was the only reason, because American companies wanted to do business with American people. Um, and, and that's not unusual for any country. But that was the reason there. So as the Godfather movie says, they made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. And they hired me away from the, from the American company. And because I found that it was fascinating, all the other products they had, that was like, I was like a kid in a candy store because they had all this other stuff that they offered. So I jumped ship and I went to work for them. And that was a relationship that lasted 10 years um, and was able to give me the flexibility because I worked remotely. And then I eventually moved back to the coast where I am now in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, and... Uh, And so it gave me the benefit of uh, a very, very successful financially um, relationship. And we still trade Christmas cards and birthday cards with one another, um, but I stopped working for them in about the year 2000, uh, more than 20 years ago. Um, But at that time, I figured out that I was able to communicate a foreign company's product to their American audience and identify who those high value targets, whether they be customers, vendors strategic partners, I helped that Russian company take one of their divisions, the GPS division and exit it with selling to an American company uh, many years ago. Um, and, you know I, I, my relationship developed different different paths from my sales path to a merger and acquisition path. but um, nevertheless, I I was able to add value to these companies' products and that's where the Austrian baby bottle came about to bring that into the American audience of young mothers and fathers. Um, it was a little bit of a different design of a baby bottle. Um, there was a, I, we happen to be dog people in my family. My wife and I were not fortunate enough to be able to have children of the two-legged variety, so we went the four-legged rack. And so puppies are our children. And so we look and research anything dog-related. So kind of to, to your point, Dylan and Cal. Um, I was surfing the internet for things dog-related, and I found this self-service dog wash machine, which was manufactured in Australia. Never seen it. Any- anything like it, $10 for 10 minutes, kind of like the self-service car wash where you drove your car in and it spit out shampoo and water and then you dried your car and whatever else. Um, this, was, this was something that I thought was fascinating. And I went out and reached, into, reached out to the Australian company and I started importing those products and selling them, um, that company. And then I identified a US manufacturer because these things were so big and heavy um, that it didn't make sense to bring them in from Australia to the United States. Um, which is why they hadn't done it before, but I did. But I found a US manufacturer and they liked the company so much that they bought it and that basically put me out of a job. Um, and so I went off on that. but it was as a result of that experience that I said, if I ever do this again, um, I'm not gonna do it as a hired gun, as a commissioned salesperson. I made enough money in my my career um that I I could I could say that and I can do that, um, or not do that as I chose to. Um, and so, as a result of, of my prior financial successes, um, I, all I did was surf the net. And that's when I found, um, actually, that's not true. The ger- there's a German company that makes a vertical printing machine. And uh, and no disrespect to anybody in your audience that's German. I drive a BMW. Um, I value a well-engineered product. I cook with Henkel knives, which I think are the best in the world um, and the sharpest. Um, but... I don't think that something meaning a product or a piece of equipment, just because it says made in Germany should cost twice as much as something of comparable or better value when you start looking under the covers, so to speak. And so this German company approached me, they had just gotten a Canadian distributor and they wanted somebody to market their vertical printing machine, which is the generic name for what I do today, Uh, my trademark wall printer, the generic name like Kleenex um, is a, um, vertical printing is the technology. And so they asked me to market their product in the United States. Could not make the deal with them because I thought it was such a cool machine and I wanted to buy the company. Um, They just wanted me to be a commissioned salesperson. And I said, I don't do that anymore. Um, And so we didn't make the deal. But when I hung up the phone after several meetings and and conversations and we couldn't go down the the path that I wanted, um, I said, you know, but that machine is really cool. And I started doing my due diligence, the same homework I would expect any one of my customers today to do see what's out there, can you make money with this? What is it all about? And I found out that there literally were only a handful, literally five companies in the world that made this type of machine. There was that German company, there was the originator of the technology, which was headquartered in China. There was another Chinese company. The Chinese don't only duplicate us, they duplicate themselves when they see something that's successful. And so there was a laser engraving company that tried to copy the success of the first company that manufactured and developed this technology. Uh, There was an Australian company, had a beautiful website, but they were a venture-backed company that lost their funding early on and didn't even have a prototype to sell. Um, And then there was an Indian company, which had a very cute, lightweight um, home hobby solution, I'll call it. Um, It wasn't a commercial quality piece of equipment that somebody could use to be in business day in and day out, delivering services that these machines provide. So basically, there was only one choice for me, and it was the original, the originator of of the technology, which had about 10 years Um, experience on the German company and all the other ones. And we went through a year of courtship and we developed a relationship that met my goals and theirs. And I made a financial commitment to take over um, the development and the marketing and sales of their product here in the United States. We manufacture our own inks. I've got two factories, one in Kansas and one in Florida that manufacture our inks for us and for my customers um, to the specifications that the Chinese and I agreed um, not agreed, but tested and work in our machines because printing machines are very, very finicky. If you don't introduce the right ink into a printing machine, it won't work. It'll clog up and not work, especially with the types of inks we use for this creation of digital art, like you see behind me in my home office here. Um, these, of course, are all printings, but done on paper. The one with my dog with Santa Claus. And I, I don't know, is it, does your podcast have video or is it just audio?
0: This one will. This one will have video.
1: So, um, and I'm sorry, I'm not in my regular office, I'm in my home office right now, Uh, but this one above me, which a lot of people don't know when they see this, this is a two dimensional picture on canvas. Um, It's a picture I took with my phone of a bunch of friends. These are speaking to relationships. That guy from my 71 years is in that photo with his wife and child and the other four couples are um, couples that I've known since college. And so that's 50 years later, we still get together every few years as a group. Um, and get together, and so I gave that to them on canvas. The wall printer printed it on canvas that we put up against the wall, printed that picture, and then we actually printed a picture of a frame. So that ornate frame around it is really a two-dimensional picture of a frame um, that was blended with my photograph from my phone, and then we made a wall printing of that on canvas, and I gave that to them. So, um, and a wall printer will print any size, any image at all, um, it on any wall surface, but my wife didn't want me to print directly to my wall. So I, I put it on a piece of paper and on canvas and put that up on the wall here. Um, but um, anyway, that's uh, so that's how I found the product. Um, that's what I did with it. I brought it here to the United States uh, after making my investment in November of 2019. And as I mentioned earlier, 2020, we started the process. And now we have 115 customers. Customer to me is a new business owner. That business owner could be somebody who just wants a startup or somebody who's in what I call a tangential or a business of adjacency, meaning a painter, a general contractor, um, an artist, a graphics designer, um, a, an interior decorator, somebody who has some um, customer base or, um, or business experience with uh, the arts um, mm-hmm. and, uh, or access to people. Um, who based on their relationship with them might be able to see use of our machine as additional revenue to their existing business. And so that's who our customers, they fall into two buckets, people who start up, people who have existing businesses, and then uh, they go from there.
0: That's awesome. How how long, so what was the the start period from zero customers to 115 that you have
1: today? How long did that take? Our first customer because of COVID in the description I gave you earlier in this conversation was from uh, December of 2019 through August of 2020. So it was a period of about eight, nine months that we did nothing but build up the team and the knowledge of the machines and the parts and accessories. So there would be no supply chain issues for me for those things that I did import. Many of the things we do get here homegrown, some computer parts, some electrical components, things like that, that we take machines from China and then we add components and test them and everything ourselves before delivering them to a customer. But to answer your question, it was about 10 months uh, before we got our first customer, so from August of 2020 until December of 2022, um, which was then two years plus change, uh, that's how uh, much time it took to get our 115 customers that we have today. That's and really we're adding amazing. right now about two new two new customers every um, every week. And uh-huh. uh, our target for this year is about another 100 new customers for this year looking to increase sales by about 40 percent and what a customer means just to be clear a customer has two choices when they could do business with me um or with us with the wall printer um they can either buy a machine if they have an existing business and they and they have an existing customer base um they usually will buy just a machine from us um or they can buy an exclusive territory we are not a franchise we don't dictate what they call themselves in fact most companies, whether they already have a business or are creating a business anew with their wall printing machines or floor printing machines, which we have also. They will create their own brand, their own logo. We'll put that on the machine and customize the cabinet of the machine for them so that they can actually, um, when it goes out with wall print, it goes to a customer's site. You don't have to, you could do what I did. You could print on canvas or metal sheets or acrylic or vinyl, or you could do whatever you want and print on a wall and then, or on a floor, and then go ahead and sell that to a customer um, as signage or whatever. Um, But most of our customers will take the machine, go to the customer site, print that mural on their wall. And so that's the unique aspect of of the machine and the technology that it can do that. And so again, our customers will then buy an exclusive territory. We don't reach into their pockets like franchises do and take royalties from them and parts of their revenue. The only thing they're obligated to do is to buy their equipment, their parts, and their ink from us because we know their machines will work well with those. um, And they will void the warranty if they don't because we can't possibly service or support something we don't know anything about. So we don't gouge people on the price of those items, but we do insist that they buy from us um, as they grow their business and they need more ink, et cetera. Um, So uh, with that said, uh, they buy an exclusive territory based on population. There's a fee associated with that. Uh, based on population, and then they will be the only ones we will sell machine service support to within that geographic territory. And we have people that start our starting territory is about 300,000 population. They buy one printer initially, they don't have any interference with anybody else with a wall printing machine. Um, they get to grow their market um, and, in fact, hopefully cooperate with people outside their exclusive territory that may also have wall printing machines to cooperate on jobs where maybe you've got two walls or three walls, but they only have one machine on hand. So they incorporate the services and build community, which is what I encourage is that people, there's more money to be made in cooperation versus competition. And I believe that's true in any business, in any industry. Um, Probably why you, maybe not why you see McDonald's and Burger King and Hardee's and Wendy's around. Uh, That's probably because people have different tastes and there's different marketing involved in those things. But I've always believed that Um, it's really a marketing play. And if you provide good service and a good product and a quality product and you're honest with your customers, you don't have to compete with somebody doing the same thing. You'll develop your own order. Anyway, that's how I got in the business. That's what our business models are today. Um, And uh, so far, so good.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's some really impressive growth. I think that's growth that not a lot of people get to experience in their business ventures. And it, it is really impressive. Thinking about this first. Nobody, nobody is more
1: surprised than me, believe you. Believe wow. me. When I first did this, once again, I thought it was a cool machine. Um, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't go, i did not going to say I went at it half-baked. I did my homework. Again, the same homework I hope that my customers do before they settle on doing business with me and my company. Um, and they can come visit us, as many people do, to actually see that it's a real product, a real company, and take the tires, so to speak, and see it print and ask their questions. We do a lot of Zoom calls like this um, to introduce ourselves in the, in the product. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is really, it, it's as, as good or better growth than I anticipated. And now my goals are even loftier um, for the future, uh, For not only for us, but also for the growth of my customers now that I see that it is successful and people can get business locally, um, putting artwork on walls. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yep. I'm very happy with
0: the growth. Awesome, we're we're still here. Our camera might have died, so we're we're here. We're still we'll start.
1: Okay. we're
0: still talking. Better, um, better little, the camera than you
1: guys. All
0: right, little embarrassing. I know we're getting close on time here, but I I do have one one last big question, and it, it's. Um, those first initial customers, you you mentioned social media is kind of how you guys have gone about uh, marketing this and and obviously now you have a lot of clients coming to you. But those first clients were, did you come to them and just you know show up and and show off the product? or how how' did you go about getting those first few
1: customers? Well, we said did I come to them because we know when COVID started, of course, everything like trade shows and industry events of any kind st- totally stopped. You know they're just beginning to start up now two years later. Um, and I'm not a big fan of trade shows personally, even though that my experience with the Russians that really got all that started for me in my life 40 years ago was based on going to trade shows. But I, I have, I'm not a big fan of trade shows for doing business. It's great for marketing and branding and getting your name out and and, and becoming familiar with your competition as well as the market. Um, but for sales, um, not so much. Um, so what we did is again, and because I'm I'm basically a cheap guy, Um, I look for the least expensive way to get the biggest bang for my buck, so to speak. And so social media, Facebook advertising was it. We started with Facebook and now we've expanded over the two years, three years uh, to include YouTube, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, um, all the other social media channels that are out there. Um, I don't do any direct marketing. I don't do TV and radio. I'm not opposed to TV. Um, I'm not opposed to billboards. I think our customers can do well by getting a local TV station, and they in fact have done this, to come out and see a wall printing being done and market locally for that. Um, I haven't yet been invited onto Good Morning America, um, but I certainly would welcome the invitation if it was, if it was given to me. Um, and the biggest exposure we've gotten was just over the last three months. Um, Louis Vuitton purchased one of our machines um, and showcased it on Madison Avenue in New York City for three months in a window on Madison Avenue in front of an exhibit that they had going on there um, in a building and uh, building of creative arts. And so we had exposure to literally a million people who walked by and saw our machine printing day in and day out for three months. Um, you know, that's marketing that I would not have paid for, nor would I have um, looked for, but it came to me um, to use your your question. That one came to me, but generally we went out with social media. Uh, we found that it was the least expensive way to target customers. And it's the same thing we encourage our customers to do. Spend a few hundred dollars. We're not talking thousands. When you're in a local market of your community, of your county, your township, your city, um, your province, um, you can go ahead, your state in South America or in the United States, you can go ahead and spend very little on Facebook marketing and let people see what this is about. Let them see a video. You can go to my website. Anybody in the audience, spend 15 seconds on our website thewallprinter.com, and you will know everything there is to know about what our machines do. Our training takes about 3 hours to learn how to use the machine, and we do that remotely. We originally when we started we had people come to us when they could travel post covid and come to us for training. We stopped that. We stopped that because the training they would apologies my dog's have have come up they've come away um and uh so, uh, so social media is the least expensive way to get the word out locally and otherwise
0: awesome yeah that that that's great to hear. I think, um not there's there's quite a few older people who who I guess underrate the power of social media and what it can do for your business. so I, I really do appreciate you having that perspective and being able to explain it. um but we are getting close to our time, and we like to conclude with a a quick blitz round just a quick question. Um, only one today for you and and that is what book has had the biggest impact on you and or your career?
1: Easy. Um a lot of people in my position would would respond with some kind of a business book, you know, uh, Stephen Jobs kind of thing, or whatever else. Um, absolutely not for me. Um, for me, I was given early on by a, a person who was a mentor, investor in one of my companies. Um, everything you ever needed to know or Everything You Ever Need to Know You've Learned in Kindergarten. I believe that's the title of the book or some variation of that. Um, it's a very short book, um, but it, it gives you things like um, be nice to others, take a nap every day, um, you know, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, um, play nice. Um, it, it gives you those types of things. Everything you ever, needed, ever need to know you've learned in kindergarten. Um, nothing could be more the truth that has really set the course for my life.
0: Awesome. That's really great. We've, we've appreciated your time, Paul. This has been awesome. You have an amazing story. Um, I'm going to let Cal, do you have any other questions for
2: maybe next time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We so should I have do, to run right. it back. We'll, we'll have and to I'll, do this I'll, again. I'll
2: get my questions out of the, uh, the hat.
1: Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm no youngster. I've been around the block a couple of times. Um, so I'm sure there's some chapters I left off that um that that I don't mind talking about if your audience and you guys don't mind listening to it, so if we do this again, I'll look forward to it, and I appreciate the opportunity I mean today.
2: you said a dozen plus companies where do we even start with the other handful
1: yeah we're, we're... Oh, well, some some of them are insignificant they were short-lived <laughs> things, but uh again, you know everybody should just follow their passion and you know do what what excites you for me, it was creating a business out of some idea or some product or some some do- Found some direction uh, through business. Um, these weren't, these you know, this, this is the this is the biggest business I've done. Um, this one that I'm in now, and so is you know, that, I, I, I've I've told a lot of people that have, have had other successes in their own right. You know, I, I've got a cousin who is a very famous composer, and you know, people talk to him and they go, oh, you know, wow, you know, that was great that that movie I just saw that you wrote the score for, um, and, and everybody thinks you know you're an overnight success because of something that gets well known and popular, but it doesn't it discounts the twenty thirty years. Um, he played in pubs and and wrote jingles and did other things and everything to get his to hone his craft uh, before it was picked up on something that became widely recognized. So it took me 70 years to become an overnight success.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow.
0: No. Great. It's been it's been awesome learning. And um I really do hope we can we can find some time for another episode. I'll I'll reach out. But this has been great, Paul. Thank you very much.
1: Dylan Cal, thank you very much. and look forward to seeing you guys again and learning more about your path as well.
0: Thank you. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Have a nice one.
0: Hey, guys. It's Cal
2: here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the How To Business Show. If you would like to stay up to date with upcoming episodes and what we're doing behind the scenes, make sure to follow us on social media. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and our website, www.htbshow.com. Com. Finally, if you have a story to share or some feedback for the show, feel free to contact us at HTBS at Important links for today's episode can be found in the description. From all of us on the How To Business team, thank you for listening and see you next time.